How many of you guys know that New Community is not just a church that sends out missionaries, but we are a church on a mission? Amen? All right. Now, part of that mission is what we want to see happen in the very near future at New Community, and that's what we want to plant a church. And we've been talking about this for the, the past few weeks, and hopefully in 2008, New Community will plant a church. Now, part of that process is taking inventory of who is here. Now, in your, uh, in your bulletin this morning, you should have received one of these little purple things. Can everybody just kind of hold these up? Oh, okay. Okay, if you didn't get one, we're going to walk them down. Raise your hand if you didn't get one. If you filled, okay, if you filled one of these out last week, don't raise your hand. If you have never filled out one of these purple cards, even if you're just a visitor, fill it out. What we're trying to do is gather information about where people are at in the city who are coming to new community, and that's really going to help us in this process of starting a new church. Now, connection cards. Uh, if you... Have, if this is your first time new community, you want to get connected to a, uh, a ministry somehow, um, go ahead and uh, raise, these are not in your bulletins, are they? Uh, go ahead and raise your hand, <laughs> go ahead and raise your hand if you need a connection card. Oh, they are? Okay, they are in the bulletin. So if you need, uh, if you'd like to get connected to a ministry here at New Community, go ahead and fill that out. If you um, are new here, we'd love to get your information and be able to connect with you, so go ahead and fill those out. There are a few other things I'd like to uh, bring your attention to. On your way out today, this is Mission Sunday, there's some information about missions, especially missions through the Covenant Church, that's available to you on the way out, so feel free, free to grab those on your way out. Um, some announcements that we just want to bring to your attention this morning. Uh, next week, we will be starting up a new sermon series, and Pastor Peter is going to be going through the book of Daniel. Uh, not the whole book, but we, we're going to be going through the first several chapters of Daniel. And uh, the, the way it was advertised here is, uh, how do we live countercultural lives in our world today as ordinary rebels? I don't know what an ordinary rebel is, but uh, that's me. Pastor just pointed at me and said, that's me. So I'm an ordinary rebel. I want to find out what that means, uh, how I'm an ordinary rebel, how you guys can be uh, ordinary rebels just like me, I guess. <laughs> is, that, is that what you're going to? Okay. That's pretty much it. It's going to be exciting. You guys will get some new insights into a very powerful book of the Bible. So please come starting next week. It will be a great series. Uh, Christianity 101. We are going to begin a class on the 14th of October. So please, if, if for, this is for those of you who are newer Christians or those of you who are interested in things like sin and redemption and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to, to have a life of prayer. If you're interested in those kinds of things or if you're a newer believer, uh, sign up for our Christianity 101 class. Membership class. Now, we call it a membership class, but what we really believe about membership here at New Community is that you're becoming partners in ministry. And what we want to see is those of you who have really come to call this your church home, we want you to become partners with us. And a membership class will be held on the 27th of October at 9 a.m., and that's going to be over at our church office, which is at the corner of Belmont and California. So if you're interested in membership, please sign up for that. Um, finally, 
uh, on the, 20, the 20th of October, uh, we are going to be having a, a marriage class. And so for those of you who are uh, married, for those of you who are engaged, if you'd like to, to gather together for that, that's, that's going to be an, pretty much an all-day thing, um, 9.30 to 4.30 uh, p.m. If you're engaged or married, it'll be an incredible time just to learn about things like how to deal with your finances, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with uh, your relationship as a married person. So I highly recommend that. Uh, now I have the opportunity to kind of get up on my soapbox as the pastor of community life here and talk about our small group ministry, or as we call it here, our community group ministry. Now, uh, when the first century church started uh, it was not a church that had small groups. It was a church that was small groups. And we want to see new community be like that. We don't want to just be a church that has a small group ministry. We want to be a church of small groups. So, so what does that look like? What does it mean uh, that we have a church that is filled with small groups, filled with community groups? What are community groups? Well, community groups are, first of all, a great place to get connected. It's hard to get connected when you come here on a Sunday morning and you're just overwhelmed with all these people who are here. Uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. I know I get overwhelmed when I'm just in a big crowd of people, I'm like, where do I even begin? Community groups are a great place to get connected. Community groups are geographic. Part of the reason we call them community groups is not just because they're a great place to experience Christian community, but because they're located in communities across the city of Chicago. Uh, we have several in Logan Square. We have some on the south side. We have some in the south loop. We have some up on the north side. Uh, some, there's a group downtown. So they're kind of geographically located, and we try and get people connected uh, geographically just based on where they live. Community groups are missional. Christ community cause. The community groups at this church follow along with the mission of new community. Christ, we experience the truth of Jesus as we delve into scripture. Life change, as we, as we experience Christ in that place, uh, we, we experience life change in community together. Community, um, the, the, the first church, the first century, century church just said they met together in Acts chapter 2, it says they met together with glad and sincere hearts. They met together with glad and sincere hearts. And this first group of Christians had sincere hearts. They had authentic relationships. And that's what we desire to see the community groups have, sincere, authentic relationships. And finally, cause. Uh, the community groups are really a place where we can gather together, pray for where our church is going, be involved in what our church is doing, get out there in issues of compassion and justice, and, and have, a, have a place where we can really bring our, our non-Christian friends so they can experience what real Christian community is like. Now, what are community groups not? What is the community group ministry not. Oh, community groups are not just a social outlet. Yes, it's a great place to experience community, uh, but it's not just a place for you to come and get your social fix. Uh, it's a place where you can come and, and have a group of people who's completely willing to sacrifice themselves for the sake of each other. Uh, what else is community groups not? Well, community groups don't exist, exist for themselves. We don't just exist to see these community groups grow and, and, and be there so that they can have this nice, close-knit community and just kind of be there off on the side doing their own thing. No, they exist for the larger community and for this church so that our church can grow in influence and in its mission throughout this city. Um, this year, we, I really have a, a desire to see the community group ministry grow. 
Uh, and some of you may be saying, oh, that's not for me. But if you really come to this church and you desire to be a part of the mission and the ministry of what this church is, of what new community is, community groups are a great place to get involved. It's a great place to start getting involved in leadership. We want to see our leaders come out of the community groups. And that's not just volunteers. It's a great place to get plugged in and volunteer. We want to see leaders come out of this place. So please, if you do have questions about the community groups, I will be downstairs afterwards If you want to sign up for community groups, if you just want to get information on community groups, we can get your information, get you whatever you need. So I'd love to meet you downstairs. Let's pray now for our tithes and our offering. God, we thank you so much that everything comes from you. Everything belongs to you. Everything is distributed by you, God. And the money that we have, the resources that we have, God, we want to be able to freely give back to you because it does belong to you, God. So be honored by the way that we sacrifice our lives. Be honored by the way we lay down our lives, God, and let it be evident in the way that we give of our finances and our resources. Receive from us this, this day for your glory. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that told my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. I was thinking, what's making it, what's making me cry during worship, and I was listening to people sing, and I was looking at the words of the song, and I was thinking, truly, God is a great God. And so, amen. That's right. Amen. It's true. God is a great God. He is the King above all kings. Él es el Rey de Reyes, el Señor de Señores. He is the God above all gods. He is the God of the nations. He is doing marvelous and awesome deeds. And Psalm 96 says we should declare His glory among the nations. That His we should declare His marvelous deeds among all people. And we go throughout the week and we think to ourselves, God, it's just I have to get through the day, I have to get through the day. And some of us really need the Lord's strength to get through the day. But we can't miss the point that God is a God who is above all nations, glorifying himself in all the world. And we church are a church that seeks to see that happen, to see the cause of Christ advanced in all the world, to see the cause of Christ advanced wherever, whenever, and however God calls us to. Wherever we're at, we want to see God glorified. We want to see God praised. We want to see people say, truly, their king is a great king. He is the king above all nations. And that psalm doesn't just tell us to go and declare his name among the nations. It tells us to spot where we see his marvelous deeds at work. And so, brothers and sisters, a lot of us, as people that are from North America, sometimes we need to be exposed to the ways God is already at work among the nations. 
where God's deeds are being seen, where God is being glorified and magnified and lifted up. And so this morning, we have the privilege of hearing stories where God is lifted up, where his marvelous deeds are being declared among the nations, where his marvelous deeds are being seen among all peoples. And so... In Acts 1.8, we know that God calls us, that God says to the people, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and in all the earth. And so this morning, we're going to hear uh, about the way that God is being testified to, the way that people in our church are being witnesses in Judea and all the earth. And so I would like to invite uh, a couple young ladies up front to start us off this morning. And we're going to hear a series of testimonies and some videos in which God is truly making his glory seen. Come on up. I have with me this morning, um, a very small stool. I have with me this morning, Lauren and Marion, and they are students at Northwestern University. In 2003, uh, we began a tradition at Northwestern of going on summer missions and taking students to experience what it means to do service among the lost, the marginalized, the poor, the hungry, the hurting. And so this summer, these lovely ladies were, had an opportunity to go on InterVarsity's Global Urban Trek. And the Global Urban Trek is designed to help students live among the poor, not nearby, not commuting in, but living among them, serving them, learning from them. And so we send students to 10 different cities across the world to live in poverty with um, their neighbors and to learn uh, what it is that God's doing among them and what it means to love them. And the hope of the global urban trek is that generation, uh, out of this generation, hundreds of students will make a lifetime decision to commit to live among, serve, and advocate for the urban poor. And so these lovely ladies had an opportunity to live in a community of garbage collectors in Mokatam, Egypt, which is, a, which is a part of Cairo. It's outside of Cairo. And they had an opportunity to serve with incredible organizations, Christian ministries that are doing some of the world's like, most renowned community development. And so they not only had an opportunity to serve, but they had an opportunity to learn. And they're going to share with you this morning some of their stories and some of the things that God taught them through that experience. So let's start with Lauren. Can you maybe share with us an experience that you had and how that impacted you? Um, One experience that I don't think I'll forget um, was on the last day we were in Cairo. And our 10-year-old friend Christina um, invited us to her home. And throughout the whole trip, she never invited us to her home. Um, So she took us home, um, and we opened the door to her home. And on the first floor was her mother, and she was sitting in a pile of garbage. And she was sorting through different fabrics. And then behind us um, were Christina's little brother and her little sister. And her little brother was standing there naked in all kinds of garbage. And I guess it just really disturbed me to see him like that and to see her mother sitting there in another pile of garbage that was three feet high. And then behind them was um, their grandmother, And she was sorting through another pile of garbage. And then Christina takes us up um, the stairs of their flat. And um, it's, like, dark. The stairs are uneven. And we get to the second floor, and there's two apartments. And in one apartment, we open the door, and there's this huge white rat. Just It's dead, and it's just sitting in their shower. 
And then we go to the other room, and there's a goat just walking through their bedrooms, through their kitchens. Um, and I think um, I remember this experience because um, we had a personal connection with Christina. Um, she was our friend. And I think it put a face to the poverty that we were living in. And I also realized that um, I would never have to live in those conditions unless I chose to. Thanks, Lauren. Marion, can you share with us a little bit about how uh, the experience that you had impacted your understanding of God and who God is and what he's about? Yeah. um, So I went on the trip because I firmly believe that God's heart was with the poor. And so some people will go to places like um, Egypt or a garbage slum and think, like, how could God actually love these people? How could, you know, how is he a loving God? And... That never actually was called into question for me because that is why, why I went. But I think for a long time, I had thought that the duty of a Christian was to care, to you know, be a social justice person. And you know, it's easy to think that after going through like, a lot of training with InterVarsity and um, even going to this church for a while, I think it's easy, it was easy for me to think that I got it or that... Um, even just caring about social justice was like the be all and end all of like a Christian. And, you know, you were a complete Christian if you, you know, got the whole salvation and, you know, and social justice part. But um, I think Egypt really challenged me when I realized that it wasn't just about caring, um, but that Jesus was about dying for justice. And he died to make the world and to make our lives whole. And it wasn't just about... Um, you know, caring and doing good things, but it was about, like, are you willing to give up everything? Because Jesus gave up everything for justice, and he gave up everything to make us whole. And I was there for a summer, which was good, and it was hard, but um, I was really challenged to look at God's heart instead of the world standards of, do you care enough, you know, are you doing anything? But to see God's heart and see how much he cared for justice and to realize my place and I was just like wow you know I definitely fell more in love with God because he could do all the things and give up all these things that I could never give up a lot of the things that we learn when we go on mission uh, is about who we are about who God is Um, and some of the things that shape that is our experience uh, going in community I don't know if you have gone many of you with uh, church youth groups or with friends from colleges but um, one of the unique things about uh this trip, uh, this group of students that goes from Northwestern is that they go from different fellowships, and it is a across-the-board, a multi-ethnic, multi-denominational, very diverse team. So when you do that and you go into a new culture as a multi-ethnic group, lots of things can happen differently for lots of people. Uh, How they experience the country and the experience can be different for an African-American student than a white student than an Asian-American student than an international student. So I asked Lauren to share a little bit about her experience in Egypt as an African-American woman. Um, I think one of the things that kind of surprised me was that race was really an issue. Going in, I was like, I'm going to Africa. I'm African-American. Like, you know, I'm going, you know, home or whatever. (laughs) Um, But I think it was... um, It was definitely a time for me to really get support from my community with issues of race. And so one story is that um, we were with Christina, Christine and I, and um, Christine's white and Christina's Egyptian. 
and we're walking to the store, and we're all holding her hand or holding hands, and um, we stop, and she points to Christine's arm, and she says, "Gamila." And then she points to my arm. She says, no, Gamila. And she points to her own arm and says, no, Gamila. And Gamila means beautiful. And um, I think more, I wasn't, I mean, she's 10 years old, so it wasn't necessarily offensive, but it was, it was a shock to me. And I also think that um, it really showed that she um, didn't have a good self-image of herself. You know, she didn't think that she was beautiful because of the color of her skin. And I was just really surprised that in a very homogenous place that race really, um, and race and racism was such um, an issue there. And I also um, experienced just feeling kind of isolated. Um, a lot of times, like, when we would play with children, and that was the place where I saw it the most. Um, I remember the first time we went out, um, five of us went out to play with, it, with um, the little girls. And the first um, person they went to was the white person, and then they went to the Asian Americans, and then maybe they would come to me. And I, you know, I was, at first I was like, well, do I talk to them about this? Like, how do I, you know, I've never really dealt with something like this. And I talked to my team, and they were there for me, and they tried to include me and help me along. Um, and, you know, I'm still now trying to process what does this mean for me in the future, but um, I was just very thankful to have the team there and have them listen to me about this. So. I was wondering if the two of you could um, share a little bit about um, how you were challenged or maybe like what was hard about this trip or how you were challenged in it, uh, in your growth with the Lord and in living out uh, your care for the poor. So uh, maybe Marion. So we were in Egypt and it's the summer, so it's like a hundred something degrees and we're in a garbage village, which doesn't help when it's really, really hot. But, um, so we'd been there the whole summer, and we had been filthy, and I had been okay with being filthy for a summer, because I knew I was going into a garbage slum, so I didn't expect, like, five-star treatment. But I had taken my last shower that I would have, it was our last day, and we had packed up and everything, we were ready to go, and I had taken the last shower I would have until we touched down in L.A., so I really, really wanted to stay clean, and... I was, like, trying to walk really carefully so I wouldn't get, you know, any, like, garbage on my feet or anything. So I had been warned after my shower that there were some girls outside of our room that were, like, knocking on the door constantly, and they would ask us for gifts. And we didn't really know them, and they would just be, like, hanging on us and grabbing our arms and stuff. And so I got out of the room, and immediately I saw these girls, and they were coming towards me, and they were going to grab my arms. And I wanted to be clean, so this is so embarrassing. I lifted up my arms, and I was like, uh-uh, 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 and I just walked past. And as soon as I did that, I was so, like, struck with shame because I was like, have I not learned anything at all this summer? I was, I'm here to love them, and these are my last hours here, and what about my need to be clean is preventing me from embracing them? So I think... I just realized that, you know, I could be in the trenches, you know, like, in this, like, missions, I'm going to love them to death mindset for a summer, but when, when it was time to go home, I, like, checked out, and I was ready to go, and I w- wanted to be clean again. I was back to my, my former self that wasn't okay with being clean and wasn't okay with not being, you know, air-conditioned and everything. So, I mean, we've been talking about having a revolution or living a revolutionary life in church, and I think 
I realized in Egypt that like one of the most revolutionary things that I can ever imagine is giving up everything that we have here and going to a place like a garbage slum and doing it for more than a summer. So I don't and I guess I just realized, you know, we I guess in church we call it incarnational ministry because Jesus became one of us and we chose for summer to live the lives of the poor. But yeah, I guess it just it's incredibly hard. Um, I knew it was like the Jesus thing to do, but it was so, so incredibly hard to do it. Um, I just felt like the sacrifice to do it, like to, to do it long term would just be crazy. I wasn't ready to give up my wardrobe. I mean, it sounds so stupid, but I really wasn't. I don't want to wear three shirts for the rest of my life. And I want to, you know, be with the people I love, my fam- friends and family, and I want internet access. And that's the most, like, cr- I, I think it's just ridiculous to think about, like, giving all that up just to be with these people, but that's what, you know, that's what God did, so. Lauren? Um, I think for me that I went in um, already pretty much feeling like I had um, a strong value for justice and realizing that um, God cares about justice, so Um, I don't think that was, you know, something new for me on this trip. Not that I didn't grow in that and see more of of God. But I think um, this, um, a missionary spoke to us at orientation. And she said, if you want to go um, and do missions work, um, you have to be willing to be transformed. And, you know, I don't think I was as willing to be transformed when I first went um, on the trip. And I think God was really, like, trying to transform me and grow me through all my experiences, through feeling isolated and alone. He was really trying to show things to me about my character. Thanks, Lauren. Now, a lot of you out there might be thinking to yourself, well, that's really nice, Sandra. You know, I'm not a full-time missionary like you are. I I have a job, you know. And uh, and a lot of you think, well, I don't have a summer. I'm not a student anymore. I don't have six to eight weeks to go and live in a garbage slum. So what can I do? What are the steps that I can do? How can I be involved in God's concern for the world, for the lost, marginalized, and the poor? So I asked these ladies to kind of give some examples of how you might take some steps forward. So we don't have a lot of time, so just a few things that you might give them to take steps forward. Um, One thing is I I had a culture shock, and one thing I realized is that I'm very wasteful. So just being aware of kind of, you know, what you do, how you spend your money, um, like, how many napkins you take, I don't know, stuff like that. Um, learning more about justice, um, the International Justice Mission has a lot of resources with that, um, and maybe volunteering with a hospice. I think I'm still looking for practical ways to um, live it out. I know, but I know that I'm looking for them. Um, I think Jesus gives us some incentives for being involved with justice. Um, I'm just going to share with you a verse that really helps me along. Um, It's often a social justice verse, but um, it's followed by something that I hadn't noticed um, previously. Um, Isaiah 58, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? 
And this is the part that's kind of different. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call. The Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. So I'm still looking for ways, but I know that I have to be involved in some kind of form of loosing the chains of injustice because I want these things that God has promised. I want my light to break forth like the dawn. I want healing. I want wholeness. I want righteousness. I want the glory of the Lord to be with me. And I want that for the church, and I want that for, I guess, a global church, too. And I think it's just funny that God ties his promises to the poor, that all these things, for us to be whole, for us to be healed, we need to be involved with the poor. We need to be involved with loosing the chains of injustice. And like I said, I am still looking for ways. I am hoping to get involved with, you know, the social justice ministry at our church. And um, one thing I've definitely started to try and do now that I'm graduated and I actually have an income is to budget and live simply, not so I can have more money 